Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we slowly spiral into chaos, 1d6 damage at a time. On today's episode, it is a total disaster, a real shambles, just an absolute catastrophe of a farcical wreck, a clusterfuck, a botched washout, I tells ya. Anyhow, it's Fiasco, the game of hard luck suckers careening towards cheap and shallow oblivion. But is it any good? Come on, you know that already. It's System Mastery. everybody, welcome to System Mastery. It's me, the host of System Mastery, joined, as always, by the other host of System Mastery. Let's get started. That's right, it's me, yeah, the, host the man of, supreme. The host of System Mastery and the other one. Yeah. Yeah. That's we've, me. We've decided to abandon our names and merely go by our titles. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I have abandoned my name mm-hmm. and thrown it into the void. I have forgotten the face of my father. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, it's pretty forgettable. It's not my fault. I don't know. I just, remember the face of your father. I just saw him the other day. This guy looks like some dude. It's fine. Some guy. He's got a cool white beard. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Maybe he's Santa. Maybe my dad is Santa. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a make wonderful it... <laughs> child's book. <laughs> Written by Ronnie Filia. <laughs> that's a that's a webcomic reference about a guy whose dad is Santa. Mm. Mm. How mm. you doing? Look at us. Yeah. Knowing a couple of things and not going by our names anymore. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I just don't, I want that to be added to the Dark Tower canon that like. You forget the face of your father if your father was boring, and that's <laughs> that's why. Yeah. You have forgotten the face of your father, but I don't blame you. <laughs> Guy was just sort of very generic. I never even noticed him. I think he had some sort of accountant job at a box factory. He looked like the kind of guy you get as default on character select. I'm going to be honest, I've already forgotten the name of your father as well. It's one of those incredibly forgettable names, like, I don't know, John. Or Jeff. Yeah, just, you don't remember these. Bad names. Yeah. For bad dudes. Mm-hmm. Bad enough to save the president. That's true. But unwilling to. And I. <laughs> he can get out of his own messes. <laughs> Are you a bad enough dude to be unwilling to save the president? <laughs> All right. So, uh, how are you? I'm doing good. Things mm-hmm. are good and great. And also good. And also. Yeah. Good. Doing good. So, uh,. That's good to hear. I hear now you had to cancel your most recent trip to the uh, the 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 capital of our great nation, the District of Columbia, mm-hmm. uh, because of airplane fuckery that would have put you like almost a day late on a regular ass flight. Yeah, um, I would have like had a four to, day like, trip. Oh yeah, I'm like I was gonna spend four days there and then fly back, and this was gonna take one of those days entirely, and I would have to just hang out in an airport for almost an entire day, probably in Dallas too. Dallas. That's not my favorite airport. No, I think... It's the sprawling nightmare. I think I'd probably be hanging out in JFK for like eight hours or oh, something. Yeah, that's not great either. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, man, I could probably rent a car and drive to DC from there way faster. <laughs> you should have done that. Eh. But so now you're going to, you're, uh, you're re-upping your chance to go, because it's not like there was anything out there that you were heading for directly. You didn't have any time to be there. You're just visiting family. Indeed. Yeah. So we're going to miss another episode of Expounded Universe probably this weekend. Uh, cause you've got that coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just doing some basic house duties, some duties, some duties, <laughs> a couple of duties <laughs> before we get started. And then also before we get started, John, did you know, did you know, did you know, did you know that it's possible to pay us money and we will say your ads for you? That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, 
you could go onto our website, yep. systemmasterypodcast.com, mm-hmm. and right there, there's a little tab for Give Us Some Money, yep. and you can buy an announcement mastery. That's correct. It's currently or it's, just give us some money if you want to. Yeah, you just give us some money. Like, but we, we have a like random amount of monies that you can give us on there, because there are people who just absolutely cannot fuck with Patreon, and I understand, and I get it. So every once in a while, someone's just like, ah, I like your program. I'm going to kick five bucks your way. Yeah. You know, you might not want to deal with Patreon or you might just think, you know, I don't really want to set up a like subscription to something, but I do want to help the boys out. Yeah. So you perhaps know. you live off the grid for some reason <laughs> and you can't have a paper trail. Yeah. But you can have an online paper trail. Yeah, and for that reason, a PayPal trail. we also have a tree near my house where you can simply hide money under a rock. And we will get that money. That's true. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have to be money. If you're so far off the grid that you've left the concept of currency behind, you can always leave us random meats you may have found yeah, and jerky. Hide, hide yeah. a chicken under a rock. Just do that. Yeah, you know, jerky a chicken. Hide a chicken under a rock. No, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> anyway, we have a couple of announcement masteries today. Yes, indeed. So I'm just going to fire through those real quick with your help. Yeah, rapid fire, baby. Pacow, pacow. Here we go. Okay, obviously we're going to we're going to each handle one of these. I'm going to take the first turn. Here we go. Sessions Canceled Podcast, a brand new tabletop role-playing game podcast. Four friends, Josh, Isaiah, Sam, and Matt, discuss anything and everything related to the hobby of tabletop gaming. I always like to see discussion uh, RPG podcasts. It, it, it warms my heart. Yeah. Um it's good to know that there are others out there that aren't just playing games. Exactly. Look, should... this ain't a game. <laughs> Let's not go too far. What if they run an AP? I don't know. We start every episode by picking a topic, and then we just see where the winds take us. And run an AP. Mm-hmm. Oh, goddammit. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> no set script or plan, just discussion and debate about the hobby we all love. Episodes we have done so far include how we get into tabletop, dumb things we and our players have done in-game, and a deep dive on how to handle reward structures like experience in your game. Join us for a chat, because uh session got canceled. Yeah. That's why they're called that. Yeah. We are not safe for work, but only because we curse a lot. Episodes are about two hours and go up on Wednesdays. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher under Sessions Cancelled Podcast. The Twitter is Sessions Cancelled, and there's uh, one E missing. It would be the the second E in Cancelled that is missing, if you're looking for that. Huh. Yeah, so Sessions, whole word, Cancelled. Not get doesn't have that second E. And uh, here's our YouTube in case you, Jeff and John, want to do any research for yourselves. Oh, shoot. I should have stopped reading. Oh, no. <laughs> no I'm kidding. That's, uh, so that's Sessions Canceled Podcast. Again, I always like, I, I'm always on the lookout for more discussion RPG podcasts. I'm not a big AP guy myself. Nope. I know so, you're not. So I have two or three uh, other podcasts. I, I'll add this one to my rotation. There are not, uh, there's not a lot of them, but I always appreciate when they come out. Great. So that's, that's session can- or Sessions Canceled Podcast available wherever fine podcasts are found. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. And now, I've got a game to tell you about. Yeah. All right. Is it Monopoly? <laughs> Close. <laughs> it's like Monopoly, but you're going to need some more imagination. <laughs> and some pizza. <laughs> One of you is going to need to be the game master. <laughs> That's like a banker, but it sucks more. <laughs> like being the banker, but everyone hates you. <laughs> All right. Welcome. Except for just weirdos. <laughs> Welcome to the world behind the world. A data stream known as the signal underlies reality, describing all things in the universe. 
A network of spies has learned to access the signal, to learn intelligence and grant themselves superhuman abilities. In this game, where the Matrix meets the Born Identity, mm-hmm. their factions war back and forth over access to the signal and the power it represents. And the railroads. <laughs> <laughs> and the blue properties. <laughs> The game is Reality Redacted. It uses the Cortex Prime rule system, the latest edition of the rule set. Yeah. uh, Powered such games as Firefly, Leverage, and Marvel Heroic Mm -hmm. Roleplaying. Plus, the game is inspired by an offhand remark about wiretapping creation on this very show. Oh! It it, it doesn't matter if it was on uh, tap or or on hand or off. I don't remember it. (laughs) On on tap, off tap, doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, so reality redacted. You can uh, find it on itch.io. Uh, you can either just look for reality comma redacted or go over to psychogenesis-games.itch.io/reality-redacted. Yep. And uh, cool, awesome game. I do like uh some Cortex rules, and you know, sounds like a fun new setting to have i like that uh kind of info uh, security warfare stuff that's always a lot of fun to read yeah i mean anything that lets me be a superhero obviously i'm going to love mm-hmm. and you know being able to just be like oh cool i can you know muck around with things but i don't have to worry about the matrix yeah and how weird it is exactly plus i might win second prize in a beauty contest <laughs> i might go directly to jail <laughs> or the ocean all right. So Depends that- if they find my laptop. <laughs> so those have been today's announcement masteries. And now on with the show. Indeed. Yes. And uh, actually, rather than playing a music sting, on with the show. How you doing, John? Hey. Hey, we already did that. We did that in the beginning. I know. You I can't know. ask me twice. What if it changed? What if What if reading those two ads made you so mad that you... Now I'm drunk. <laughs> well, drunk I did, on power. I did give you a hard cider before the recording. Yeah, this hard cider is made from apples and power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also now I put I'm a, drunk I just on put, power. I just apples. put a crap load of power and gin in there. <laughs> Look, I, I put an apple cider and Powerade into a cup and gave it to you. <laughs> Together at last. That's the drink I like to call drunk on power. I know Powerade still exists and everything, but I can't think about it without thinking about those commercials they used to run for it that were like based on the Matrix. Oh, I thought you were going to say I can't think about it without thinking of Power Thirst. Oh, no, I can definitely do that. That's easy. I'll do that right now. No, remember when they did those commercials for it where it was like, God, Barry, (laughs) King King of of the the Juice. Juice. No, I just mean like there was these commercials for Powerade where it was like Agent Smith from the Matrix being like, that's right. Drink your Powerade because you're in the Matrix, and that's like hello. That's like battery juice. We want you to drink it because it'll make you more ba- good good at being a battery for our Matrix battery juice power machine. It didn't make a whole lot of sense because presumably you're drinking virtual Powerade. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, I don't remember a single Powerade commercial. The only thing I remember are those Gatorade commercials with the colored sweat. Oh, yeah, those are unpleasant. Yep. Not okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, that looks like someone's radioactive, and I'm not okay with it. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we review, or we are about to review, Fiasco Classic. Now, uh, John has a copy of the first edition of Fiasco, where I had to go and purchase uh, one-off drive through RPG, uh, and the one I got says Classic right there on the cover. I think that's just how they rebranded first edition. Yeah, because they put out a new edition of Fiasco, mm-hmm. uh, and... The old edition, for some reason, got branded as classic because it's not like, 
you know, you can't just go play old fiasco. There's nothing anything. broken yeah. about it that isn't, it's the same thing. You can go play old D&D and so on too. It doesn't matter, but no one ever changes the name to D&D Classic. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's like making it World War. Because then you're like, ah, oh, it's World War One. <laughs> now that we've had a two, we know that there's a one. I, forget, I saw some movie recently that mentioned World War One, and the movie was set in like 1935. Oof. And it was like, no, that doesn't make sense, fellas. Ooh, buddy, <laughs> were, that they, didn't happen. They were still calling it the Great War. <laughs> that was supposed to be the war to end all wars. Yeah. <laughs> but then we were like, now I got a taste for it. Yeah, now we're just going to start naming them by number. It's going to be like how kids these days are dealing with being called gen y and gen z because we were like we called this one gen x because they're so disaffected what's the one after that gen y well, well why what's what's special about them they're after x you see <laughs> it used to be these names had some kind of relevance but we're fine with not doing that i mean at least gen y eventually got to be millennials yeah they're millennials now and gen z i think are zoomers zoomers yeah so everyone eventually got a name yeah and in the end, we were all happy. And in the end, except there were me, never I'm, a problem. Except for me, I'm in Gen X. We're not happy. We never have been. Never have, never will. <laughs> so, uh, so Fiasco is neat. It's a, it's a game that definitely sets out from the beginning to do one thing and do that very well. Which oh, is to, yeah. Which is to represent the kind of dark comedy farce movies that were popular um, largely in the mid to late nineties. And then yeah, they still come out. They're still happening, but that's kind of, you know, their, their classic inspirations are stuff like, uh, Fargo, Fargo, Fargo is a really big one. Yeah. Burn yeah. after reading mm -hmm. most Coen brothers, every, movies. every Coen brothers movie, <laughs> every Coen brothers movie is basically a bunch of idiots kill themselves in increasingly stupid ways. A couple of real idiots get away with it. The end. Yeah. And God bless them. That's it's. It's interesting because not only is the game like, we want to do that. That is the one thing we want to do. Yeah. But they're like, look, we have some very distinct parameters within which you should be doing this. Mm -hmm. They're like, you should only have like three to five players. If you've got six, just split it up into two games of three. Because if you have too many players or too few, you're just not going to get a satisfying game. Yes, absolutely. And note that uh, it is a DM-less game. That's why if you have six people, you can split into two groups of three and not like two two player games with two DMs. Yeah. So it's a nice it's a nice GMless game where everyone's basically participating in the same way. It's so structured that it kind of has an almost board gamey feel to it, and yet I still feel like it it has the tools it needs to generate satisfying gameplay. Oh yeah, I I appreciate the game for being like, all right, we will give you. Sort of in the same way uh, to bring up a game that we love, the mm -hmm. Sentinels role-playing game sure, sure. has that sort of guided way of making a character where it gives you mm -hmm. choice within a narrow area. Yeah. In the same way, this still gives you choices for, like, how do you want to build, you know, the scenario that you're doing, the relationships between people and so on, but it has you pick from a, you know, a very small thing and you have to use actual die numbers that represent things so you do have kind of a limited mm -hmm. uh selection but it's broad enough as far as the genre goes that you'll still end up with the same type of story even if all of the particulars are very different yes now the game is made up of four kind of zones or, or really i think it's probably more like five zones of play uh that that kind of uh, collapse or combined to form a single session 
it starts with a prep session where you're going to take four dice per player, two white and two black. They can be anything as long as they're two sets of colors. Yep. And you're just going to, for each player's got four dice of their own, and then you're just going to roll those all out into the middle of the table. Yeah, you just, for the beginning, you're just doing a setup mm -hmm. of getting the dice that you need for everyone, and then really you're going to pick either making your own or picking one of the uh, scenarios from either the book or there are a ton of fiasco setting books because they'll yeah. all have uh, different tables that mm -hmm. you will use those dice to pick for relationships between people, uh, items, yeah. locations, things like that. Yeah, and uh, the way it's going to work during the setup is that uh, when it, it's going to go kind of round robin style, and whenever it's your turn, you're going to take a card, you're going to you're going to roll a die, uh, look at the tables that are in that kind of what they're called play sets. Playsets are things like a small southern town. Yeah, you or, might be like, oh, it's the Old West, or you're at McMurdo Station. Yes, and uh, each one of those is going to be separated into six categories, which are things like object, location, location, person, relationship, etc. Uh, and each one of those six categories is further subdivided into six kind of prompts or suggestions that are listed underneath them in bullet point format. Yeah. So when it's your turn, you're going to pick up a die from the center of the table and look at it and go, this is a four. That defines like a relationship or something. I'm going to either pick or roll it again to come up with a relationship type to, between me and another player. You do have a set number of things that need to happen during the beginning of, uh, of uh, establishing. Oh, yeah. Every pair of uh, players. Mm hmm around the table needs to have a relationship. So you, yeah. the way you sit around the table will be, all right, the person to the left and right of you, you are going to have a relationship with. Yeah. And, you know, if you've got like five people, there might be, you know, three other that you don't really have a particular relationship. But honestly, that's how a lot of these stories go where yeah. you're like, Oh, yeah, you know, I'm the sheriff. I don't fucking know anything about these two goobers over here. Yeah, March doesn't have anything to do with, like, the guy that runs the uh, used car dealership. Yeah. So, you know, she just ends up having to interact with him later on in the story. Exactly. Yeah. Instead, her her starting relationship is to her husband, who would be a terrible character to play in the game, because you'd be like, well, I'm only the beginning and end of the movie, and I'm complaining about my stamps that I got. Ah. <laughs> uh, now, it the... Uh, the way that the dice work like that, you'll pick one up and it will first you get one die that'll choose the category. So if you're like, all right, uh, I'm going to establish my relationship to the person to the right of me. Yes. Uh, I'll pick one of the dice. I'll pick up, you know, a five. We have a crime based relationship. Yes. And you write down on a note card like crime, mm -hmm. but you need another thing. So the next person who, you know, wants to establish that relationship and it doesn't have to be you or the person on your right no anyone can assign anyone else anything so they could pick up and go oh all right i'll pick up this three and assign it to crime and that means you guys are thieves you know each other because you're both you know burglars or you know carjackers or whatever yeah uh now there are also objects that you can you can assign out throughout the game each one of those needs to be attached to a relationship yeah. So the reason for that, of course, is because it helps build the drama. There can't be any object that isn't at least connected to two people. Oh, yeah. So all they can the, be fighting over them. All the things that you are going to establish in this are either relationships mm -hmm. or based on a relationship. Exactly. So uh, you could get a, you know, 
location or an object. Yeah. So, for example, if you're like, well, you and I have a crime-based relationship and someone attacks, attacks a, uh, lo- attaches a location to that crime-based relationship and they say, dusty gas station by the interstate. Yeah. Now that maybe that's your headquarters, maybe that's a place that you're going to knock over. Exactly. But now you know that there is a relationship between you, between this person, because you're thieves, and it's got something to do with this dusty gas station by the interstate. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things that this has uh, is the three categories outside of relationships are needs, locations, and objects. Mm -hmm. The game very clearly is like, you should have one of each. Yes. Uh, If you've got more players... Uh, you'll end up with more things. Yeah, well, it's four dice per player, and you go through it until you've got all the dice taken up. So. Yeah, so he's like, all right, if you go higher, then you probably don't want a ton of needs, because usually a need is going to be a driving force yeah. in this. Well, you don't want everyone to have like their own need that they're after, because then there's no conflict. Yeah, well, then you're just splitting it up, because they're like, I need to get out of this town, and someone else is like, oh, well... I need to figure out the truth of something. And you're like, okay, well, none of you are coexisting together. There's ways to make those two connect. You'd be like, you can't skip town until I've solved Eddie's murder. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, ultimately you want there to be some interrelation and sharing among the needs to make it so that uh, players have a reason to kind of bicker amongst themselves or to interact in any way. Yeah. And the locations and objects are good for giving you the idea of like, all right, where are we going to set scenes? Yes. Because the main way this works is once you've set everything up, Mm -hmm. you're going to go around and each person is going to do a scene. And so having multiple locations or some objects that you can deal with are much more concrete ways to get a game started than having just a generic need. Mm -hmm. Because if you're like, ah, we're in, you know, a suburb and I have a need to get laid you're yeah. like all right well that didn't really give me much but if you're like oh one of the main things here is like i don't know town hall or something you're like oh great i'm gonna go try and i don't know seduce the mayor <laughs> you've got this problem where you need to get laid but you're an 80s style computer nerd <laughs> ah yes well it's a good thing i've got all of this money mm-hmm. unfortunately that can't buy me love. No, it can't. But it can buy you a powerful enough computer to make Kelly LeBrock. <laughs> but she won't sleep with you. Oh, no. But will she teach me things? She'll give you the confidence you need to find someone else to sleep with. Hooray! Weird science. Also, oops, there's a nuke here now. <laughs> oh, and there's a nuke. and the, and the <laughs> One of the objects is a nuke. And the Libyans. <laughs> <laughs> they found me. I don't know how, but they found me. <laughs> so... Uh, I love that we're just not going with any actual, like, fiasco-based movies, and we went with, like, Weird Science and Back to the Future. <laughs> I just had the 80s in my brain. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I used to love those kind of weird, dark comedies. Even the bad ones, like, you know, Very Bad Things or... Get uh, that uh, True Romance. Yeah, Suicide Kings. Hell yeah. Th- those kind of movies where, where, yeah, everything goes bad by the... Go is a great example of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Once you have someone who's like, I have a thing I want to do... And everyone else is like, I want to do dumb shit, and yeah. I will try to fuck your your day up. You're like, great, everything's coming up terrible. Yeah, I love that it's, it, there's so much, it, it, Vargo's a great example of the genre, but then there's other people who primarily work in this sort of stuff, too. Guy Ritchie movies are a great 
example of this kind of thing. You know, you're lock, stock, and two smoking barrels and so on. Oh, yeah. Maybe not so much his King Arthur movie or the stuff he did with Madonna, but, but you know. The, <laughs> the stuff he did with Madonna sure was a fiasco. How droll. Anyway, that's just set up. You you may have noticed that at, at no point during that did we say that you should like name your character and define them in any way. You're supposed to do that during this part of the process. Yeah, it helps you... a lot to to know who you are before you name yourself. Basically, oh yeah, you definitely want to have probably both of your relationships fleshed out. Yes, because if you're like, oh, one side it's father and son, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I'm this dude's kid. Oh, I figure I know who I am. But if the other side is like. You're the town's big shot. You're like, all right, well, now that's giving me a new way to think about this character and how they fit into this world. Exactly. So, honestly, character creation really boils down to just establishing this web of relationships, needs, and and locations, uh, and I guess objects, and, uh, and then coming up with kind of a name and personality for yourself. You don't need any other stats. Yep. Bonus content's going to be a bear this time. I'm not sure what we're going to do exactly. <laughs> I mean, I we're assume- going to make bears in other games. <laughs> What game can you make a bear in? We I don't know. A- We've made bears in a couple of games so far. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, Captain Beef Dip. Still with us in spirit. <laughs> Still piloting his very gay ship through the spaceways. <laughs> but, I mean, we did the episode where we did we needed bonus content, and we had to make Santas in some system. And I like the idea of just, like, you can take any engine you want, but you have to make a regular-ass bear. <laughs> Normal ass bear. Not an intelligent bear who wears clothes and has a gay party barge. No, no. Just a bear. <laughs> Un bear. <laughs> I mean, I don't I know ass- if that's what we're going to do. I assume probably we'll just create an entire web of nonsense. That's also fine. Because like, the thing that this brought to my mind, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up Sentinels, uh, the role-playing game. That made that made sense for an established guided character creation sense. The thing I kept thinking about was when we read Smallville, which was also mm-hmm. a Cortex game yeah. and also opened with a tremendous amount of a lot more, in fact, sitting around drawing lines between squares and diamonds and stuff to be like, well, Lex Luthor is here, so I should probably have a box that says Lex Luthor's house in it, and I'll draw a line to it to indicate that Lex Luthor lives at Lex Luthor's house. <laughs> also, Lex Luthor is here, so I should probably indicate that someone has 40 cakes. Ah, and I will spend my die to further describe the 40 cakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terrible. Yeah, but we'll put a dotted line between those and Lex Luthor because he's covetous of those 40 cakes. (laughs) Uh, Uh, There's a lot simpler here. I thought it's a much more streamlined process, and I appreciate that. Yeah, once you've finished the setup, everyone more or less knows who they are, who the people around the table are, and Mm -hmm. kind of sort of the beginnings of what kind of plot you will have yeah. based on locations, needs, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, you can start Act 1. Yes. And Act 1, like I said, is you just go around. Everyone is going to do... One of two things. Uh, you're going to do a scene in one of two ways. Oh, okay. You're going to do one thing, and you have two ways to do it. <laughs> so, missionary or... <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> That's it. The two Those choices. are your two ways. <laughs> no, you... Uh, you get to decide if you want to set up what the scene is, mm-hmm. or if you want to decide how the scene will resolve. Yes. So that may sound like the only that if you set up a scene, that uh, the only thing that can happen later is other people can come through and close that scene out. But really, both of them are fully self-contained options. Yeah. Uh, if you choose to establish the scene, it's because you want to have narrative control over the location, the time, the characters that are present. Uh, but you're not as much concerned about the outcome of the scene. 
Uh, whereas if you would like to resolve a scene, then instead you just open the, the floor for que- for uh, suggestions, and they say things like, well, your character's obviously at the First National Bank out by the dusty interstate. Yeah. Everything's out by the interstate. Everything. Uh-huh. I need you to know this entire thing takes place on the side of an interstate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's very dangerous wh- to get from one building to another. It's weird that the National Bank is right there, but, that, but it's one of them dusty one uh, out by the dusty interstate towns. <laughs> uh... So, you will, if you are establishing the scene, Mm -hmm. very easily just say, all right, uh, my character is going to be, you know, at this place, he's going to be talking to these people, and, you know, generically, what am I trying to do here? Yeah. And you can set that up. Honestly, you can set up anything. You can set up a flashback. You can honestly do a monologue if you want to. Sure. You can play as a character named Johnny Flashbacks. You can. Yeah. And never flash back. Uh Uh-huh. Only forward. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But if you're establishing the scene, then after you do all of the description, all of the role playing, and this is a game where if you choose someone and say like, hey, you're in this scene with me, you need to be, then then the two of you are going to play the scene together. If there are minor characters that are also part of the scene, then other people around the table can just sort of jump in and be like, sure, I'll play a bank teller. Yeah. I'll be the guy who says, son, you've got a panty on your head. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if you're like, oh, we're two robbers, we're robbing this bank. Yeah. But nobody is established as having a relationship with a bank Mm -hmm. to be like a bank teller or whatever. You're just like, hey, you're not in this scene. So just, you know, hop in as whoever. Yeah. You can be uh, William Fichtner's character from Batman Begins. Yeah. You and your friends are dead. (laughs) That guy. You can be that guy. Eventually, (laughs) on a long enough timeline, everyone is dead. (laughs) And that was Dark Knight, not Batman Begins. Please don't, please don't remind. I, I know. Please, please don't say anything. <laughs> Everything, everything's fine. Never talk again. Take a vow of silence. <laughs> please never talk to me or my John again. <laughs> uh, now, if you have established the scene, then when you're going, uh, other players will decide whether it goes good or mm-hmm. bad. So if it goes well for you at the end, then they'll pick up a white die. And uh, basically just show it to you and everyone who's in the scene Mm -hmm. and put it in front of whoever's scene it is. Mm -hmm. And then you'll know, all right, as we're doing this, the outcome of this should trend towards I get what I was trying to get. Things turn out okay. But if they do the opposite and pick up a black die, then, you know, things are going to go poorly. And that doesn't mean like. Ah, and then you get shot. It's just... It can. It just doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, generally in Act 1, you want to keep things a little less nuts. Yeah. Well, basically, if your character dies at some point during during the story because it would logically happen or because that's something you want to experience, then during your turns future on in the game, uh, you're just flashbacks or memories and other people's story. You can still technically contribute to the story via past events or or uh, hidden surprise wills on video, whatever you exactly. want to do. Yeah. So if you want to be like, oh, you know, you find a little note from me that says, mm-hmm. I was always trying to do whatever, and now you've got to finish my life's work. Yeah, that's a very classic Coen Brothers movie move, is to have a dead character still be really relevant by the end because they like leave a note around or something. Yeah, so. and of course, you can always have the whole, like, oh, it's a murder mystery thing where we just keep flashing back to the night that I died, Yes, and we'll just show it from different angles and stuff. Exactly. So death uh, is no impediment. Yeah, it, it doesn't it, take you out of the game. Yeah, uh, it may even become her. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know, Death Becomes Her would be a fine fiasco. I would totally play Death Becomes Her, especially with the, have you ever seen the alternate ending of Death Becomes Her? 
I don't know which one is the alternate ending. Okay, um, the the alternate because I don't believe it's ever actually been. In, I, I think it's only on like some DVDs as, as extra commentary or, or as an extra feature. But there is a, there is an alternate ending of Death Becomes Her where the two leads the the immortal women yeah. uh, get in a car crash and burn to skeletons and then come out as skeletons still alive and go. Oh well, now what? Ah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and it's like a horrible ending because you're like. This that that woods you can live forever, but now you're literally a, a skeleton that can't interact with society or anything. Yeah, but now you can join the skeleton war. <laughs> you can you can join the skeleton club. <laughs> anyway, um, one thing that's different between the first round of play, round one and round two, is that once that die is placed in front of you, indicating whether you had a good end or a bad end, it doesn't stay there. You're going to pick it up and give it to whoever you want. Yeah, and it's going to stay in front of them instead. Yeah, so uh, you'll say, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm trying to rob a place and people there are like, you know what? It goes great. You actually get away. Uh, cops don't catch you. Here's a white die. Yeah. Awesome. And then you'll just look around the table and be like, all right, uh, you can have a white die. Yeah. Now, uh, this is probably a good point to get into the fact that this game is uh, very antagonistic between the players. That's like it can be. Uh, it, it rewards playing mean to each other. Yeah, if you want, because this does have a, like... Resolution. A wrap-up, yeah. let's go through and do, like, everyone's montage, end of movie, uh, what happens to you. Yes. If you want everyone to be absolutely fucked by the end of this, you want to try and balance white and black dice as much as possible. mm mm-hmm. uh, And I'll go ahead and say this. I've played Fiasco before. Sure. And there is definitely... For my money, way less of that in actual play from what I've seen. I'm sure, because you want to create an interesting story. And an interesting story has a couple of highs, a couple of lows, winners and losers. The book is, at least this book, the, the old this classic edition that we're reading, is very much like, fuck over your friends. If they've got a black die, give them a white one. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Where I, I get the idea because that's fun. It's kind of fun to play a game where you're nasty to each other, because it doesn't really matter. It won't come up until the aftermath. And it's just as much fun to describe a terrible end for your character as it is to describe a good one anyway. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, I always want to have at least one character in a, like, story that's like these, the fiasco stories. Yeah. Where they're like, no, man, you got away scot-free, or yeah. you did something great. And that could be... I like that it doesn't matter as well in this game whether it's black dice or white dice. You just want higher numbers, because you're going to roll uh, once you get to the end of Act 1. Mm-hmm. You'll get to the tilt. Yep. And you'll roll all of your dice and subtract the highest of one type of die from the... or the lowest of one type of die from the highest. So if yeah. I have three black dice and one white die and I get a 10 total on black and a three on the white, I have a seven black. Yes, a seven black total going into round two. And then you can do that same thing at the end of round two in what's called the aftermath. Yeah. yeah. So what you really want is higher numbers on the die rolled. So it could be that even though I have, you know, three black and one white, oh, that's good. I want to have more of one than something else. Yeah. I could roll a six on white and then a six total on the three black and go, ah, oh, well, I'm fucked. Yeah. Like a, like a, if you have a super high black value at the end of the game, then, you know, you had a nasty, brutal, violent story, but the aftermath isn't really like good shit versus bad shit. Uh, it, it, at that point, black dice become physical stuff that happens and white dice become emotional, mental or spiritual stuff that happens. Yeah. So if 
you know, I go throughout this whole thing and I've just been stockpiling black dice because everything has been going wrong for me. Yes. Then, you know, I come out the other side. If I roll super high, then it's like, oh, yeah, I end the movie like slightly charred, beat up, bloody and with a you know, big sack of money. Exactly. Like, oh, great. Everything got fucked up around me. All of my friends are dead, but I have the duffel bag of cash. Like, I would say, for my money, the great uh, super high black dice ending is American Ultra, huh. where the characters have the absolute shit beaten out of them. Everyone they know is dead. Yep. But they're like, but we're fine, and I guess I'll be a secret agent now. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a good example of a high black dice finish. Exactly. Uh, so... The uh, the tilt, you're going to kind of get a little bit of information going into the aftermath. The aftermath is a lot more like take your uh, final value, compare it against a couple of charts for high black and, and high white and see where you get with anything being low. Like if you're if your difference between your black and your white dice is like a two, then bad shit. You're probably dead. Bad shit happened to you. It wasn't great. Y even if you have a, a uh, your white is higher. So if you're like, oh, I, I came out of this with two white. That's my start. My finishing total. What happens to you? Everything sucks. Oh, you're, you're, you're an emotional mental dead wreck. Or you wish you were. Yes, exactly. But the the tilt uh, mostly only cares about your score insofar as mm -hmm. the two people who get the highest total black and the highest total white get to then use the dice from the table uh, to pick what happens as the tilt. Yes. And so you'll get something... Uh, that's a category, and then what's in that? The tilt table is the same for all the games. Yeah. Because, like, all the locations and objects and relationships are different between the playsets. Yeah, there's, like, six playsets in this core book. But the tilt table is always just generically things start going bad. So it might yeah. just be like, all right, uh, I'll pick a five. That's paranoia. And a six, somebody is watching, waiting for their moment. And at that point, you don't even need, it doesn't have to be one of the players. It doesn't have to be like anything that you've established. At some point, though, mm -hmm. you know that that's got to come into play. Someone's going to be like, all right, we wrote that down on a card and I'm going to go ahead and establish a scene because you wanted the resolution because you've got three white and one black and you want another white. So you said I could establish the scene. Here it is. Someone is waiting. Hmm? They're watching you, and it's they're trying to get you. That big bounty hunter on a motorcycle from, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Dog the Bounty Hunter. It's him. It's it's Ghost Rider, uh, <laughs> currently dallying in bounty hunting for some yeah. reason. Yeah. It's that bounty hunter on a motorcycle. Raising Arizona is all I wanted to say. There you but, go. God. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, there's a ton of different ways that it can you know, start tilting, things can change. Mm -hmm. It could be there's a sudden death that changes things. It could be that you find out a secret or someone is actually lying to you. The FBI pull into town. You'd previously just been dealing with the bumbling local cops. Yeah, there's something changes and it ups the ante and the stakes going into act two. I believe in role-playing games it's called the spanty. I think it's Spups the Spanty. Is that Spups the Spanty? I think that's, that's role-playing game terminology, if, if I remember correctly. If I remember correctly, yeah. I thought Spups the Spanty was the dog mascot for a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Is Spanty a kind of dog or a kind of beer? We'll let you at home decide. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so during round two, it, uh, play resumes exactly as it had been, but now there is that, that tilt hanging over your head, and there is one other major difference. It, during this phase, uh, the dice that, you, that are assigned to you, you keep. Yeah. So oh. while earlier you could spend a bunch of time kind of like trying to tell other people what their end is going to be like, like, oh, I think you're going to have a lot of emotional damage at the end of your game. Uh, now, when people when it's your turn, e- if you choose to... Uh, it, resolve the scene you can pick whatever die you want from the center and keep it for yourself or if you establish a scene then people are going to give you a die and you're stuck with it yeah and that's where the whole book gets antagonistic in it where it's like yeah if someone decides they want to uh set the scene Mm -hmm. because they want to you know further their plot you're like oh great i'm looking at them and you know i can see that they're trying to go for more white dice than black dice so when the scene resolves, give them a black die. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that because ultimately it encourages players to be like, fine, I'll just, I, I managed to come up with three white dice during the uh, opening sequence. I'll just resolve everything for the end of the game to keep myself safe from that. Plus, it, it makes it so that there's a weird incentive to not go on what would make a good story. Because yeah. if they're like, oh, I'll, res- like, I want to resolve or I want to make the scene, if they're making the scene, and they're like, all right, we're going to do this and that. We've set up these relationships. We've, al- we've already gone through Act 1. I'm going to try and resolve something here. And you're like, oh, it would make so much sense for it to play out like this. Mm-hmm. And that would be funny. But if I let it play out like that, then I'm just playing into their hands. They're going to end up winning this thing, such as it is. And it can't have that. And I'm like, I don't. I would much rather play along the line of what story is cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is. I think that's how it works in real play. Yeah, when I was playing, there definitely wasn't that sort of antagonistic thing, but you also just ended up naturally being like, yeah, man, sometimes you get highs and lows in the game. You're going to end, most of the time, characters will end fairly even with maybe one or two being like, oh, I actually managed to get a decent spread of Which is the one thing or that, the other. The thing they mentioned in the book is that that's the way it should work. You should have th- some of your players are like, oh man, I went right down the middle on dice acquisition. No matter what happens, I'm going to have a bad day at the end of this. Where you're supposed to have a couple of lucky suckers who walk out of the end of uh, with with all the loot. Yeah. Whether they deserve it or not. If they, were, if they were righteous, good moral people the entire time, maybe they deserve to win. But even if they were the most low and underhanded criminal, you got to have something to, to, to someone to hate at the end of the episode. And it's that guy who gets away with it. Yeah. You know, someone, especially when he was talking about someone who gets a ton of white dice, he's like, the guy who skated through never took any sort of problems. Mm-hmm. Everything went his way. And then in the end, he got it all anyway. Like, <laughs> no bad repercussions, so you can hate him. Yeah, that's that's the story of whatever happened to the boy who got whatever he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. He Everyone lived happily ever him. after. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, fuck that kid. No one hates Charlie. <laughs> Ch- cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> okay, people who have to sit through cheer up, Charlie, hate Charlie. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's the only song in that movie where you're like, oh, oh man. Right, 30 second, 30 second, 30 second. There we go. <laughs> All right. Time for the grandpa song. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you'll go through act two. You'll get, like I said, generally higher stakes. You're moving towards the resolution of things. This is probably where you'll see things like people dying mm-hmm. or, you know, locations burning down and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but once you get to the point where all the dice have been given out, uh, 
And one of the rules for this is the last die given out mm-hmm. uh, is wild as far as black or white. Yes. Uh, whether you choose to take it yourself by resolving a scene or whether you choose to establish a scene if you're the last turn, uh, the whoever's tr- uh, job it is to assign or hand out that die will tell you, if it's your play, whether that die is white or black. Yeah, so that way you don't know, it's not oh, inevitable. last scene is obviously going to go poorly. Yeah, it's not inevitable. You don't walk into it being like, ah, well, I might as well describe this scene as a bad thing because the only die left is black. Exactly. Now, there is an alternate rule in the game that's like, hey, play them as they lie. That that way, if you go into the final scene with a bit of a fatalism bent, that's something you can do. Yeah. And- or, you know, if it's a white die, that's the only die remaining. Be like, ah, I know it will go well. Oh, great. <laughs> I'll set up the scene and just be like, so there I am, dick out. <laughs> no, I mean, you can tell. And the thing is, you can totally do that. You can have a final scene that is relentingly grim because you knew it was going to be. Or one where you're like, ah, all the bad shit already happened. Let's have a cap on this bad boy. <laughs> I go to a diner. Yeah, every, everyone's happy. I'm in bed with my husband and he's whining about how he didn't get the 30 cent stamp. <laughs> See, it's fine. You can totally have that work. Yeah. And uh, once you are done, all the dice are handed out. Now, that wild die doesn't change like literally if you have a black die left and you say this counts as white mm. you're still rolling it as a black die in your pool yes uh it just for the terms of whether the scene went poorly or well uh but then at the end uh you roll your dice yep you get your total you subtract low from high and then you check the uh the end book of how did this go for you yes and uh this is the one point in the game where i found this a couple of my, I'll, I'll put it this way. There's a couple things here where I really hope they scrub them out of the next edition of this game. Yeah. I mean, the book very uh, early on yeah. says, hey, this is going to be conversational. There's probably going to be some swearing. It's, you know, it's just going to be me writing stuff I want to write. So, yeah. you know, deal with that. I don't really mind the occasional fuck or whatever throughout this book. Lord knows I've built my career on the backs of saying naughty words. <laughs> I've built my career on the backs of fucks. <laughs> Here, I think I'll say one now. Penis. Oh, no. <laughs> what a fuck. Real hot penis about everything. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the <laughs> the fact that in the aftermath, the, like, casual conversation style of writing ends up with a not the best in one of the resolutions, there's a couple. The, the thing I've been kind of dancing around saying is that there's a couple moments in here where the book basically assumes all the players are dudes. Because one of the one of the high end resolutions, I think it's like above black thirteen plus, the black best thirteen you can plus get. is like if there's a girl there, she's definitely dropping those drawers. You're like, what? oh, what? I don't. What? What if I'm the? I I don't like that. like it's what it should say is a way to not make it sound unpleasant is if sex was one of your goals you've achieved it yeah you get the girl or guy as it may be yeah you get whatever the thing was that you wanted the object of your desire was yours was a lot what lot better way to say that other than to say like if there's an object of female attraction that you were after she immediately displays her vagina for conquest you're just like (laughs) Like, Unless that's the story you were writing, like I a guess. F- fucking bam, bamboo. Wow, <laughs> baboon yeah, is what I wanted to say. Yeah, like a mandrel, just being like, "All right, there it is." Yeah, it's here just, we go. It, it's just not very. I, I found it a little distasteful, and it's compounded by, for example, there's a big section in this that's like an example of play. 
like 20 pages given over to three char- or three or four characters being like, hi, I'm Jake. I like anime. You know, very hello fellow kids because it's kind of written a long time ago energy. But one of them is like, hi, I'm Jesse. I'm the token girl. Uh, well, <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I know that in the early days of system mastery and movie mastery, we use that language and have since moved on. I, I, I think we mentioned something like that in Mazes and Monsters, where we discuss the trope of like how every role playing game table has one girl and, and they defend their position. Uh. That's not true. And it never really has been. Um, but the whole token girl thing was it, it, taken by itself. It just sort of is clunky, like a lot of the introductions in the intro in the uh, example of play section of this book are. Well, one of them's like, I'm Jack. I don't really do a lot of role-playing games. I like skateboarding and water sports. I like being a cool dude. My hat is backwards. <laughs> um, and one of them is just like, yeah, I'm a big fan of certain role-playing games, and also, I like the animes. <laughs> the animes. Ah, like, oh, come on. Don't, this is like, this is some Hello Fellow Kids energy. I don't need this. But between the token girl and the uh, if you roll above this, someone's definitely dropping their lady drawers. And there's a few other mentions of it here and there uh, where I'm just kind of like, it's a sour taste. And I hope it's a thing that they fixed in future editions. That they were just like, ah, let's gender correct this thing so that it's not all about how women are desired. I mean, the fucking book is like 100% based on Fargo. Yeah, and the fact that there is so much in here that's like, ah, ladies there for the sex am i right yeah and i'm like no not in most of the movies you're describing <laughs> like i understand <laughs> that there is definitely that sort of tone to a lot of movies that do this sure i get that but it's not all of them and i mean the book at least says like hey if we put a thing in there that says like oh she reveals a secret and that doesn't make sense and it should be he reveals a secret just change it. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. And I'm like, I get it, but you didn't need to gender it in the first place. Whatever. But again, I mean, I, I can't even really think of a good example of a of a dark comedy movie that's got a woman in it that's just an object for, like, sex later. Like, imagine trying to apply that to almost any dark comedy you can think of. Like, I already mentioned American Ultra. What if Kristen Stewart in that was just a prize to be won at the end? No, nah, man. I mean, what's her name from Pulp Fiction? I, I mean, I, I feel like, okay, sure. I don't remember Uma Thurman's character's name from that no, either. No, the other one. Bruce oh. Willis's Oh, oh, lady. yeah. Yeah, she doesn't, she's barely, she feels more like she really ought to be a, a, a uh, like a need or an object or something in that movie, because she's barely in it. You're saying that women are objects, Jeff? I'm saying that her Jeff? role in that movie is not sufficient. She's like an extra in that she's movie. She's an NPC. Yeah, where Uma Thurman, for example, would probably be a very playable character in that. Yeah. But... By the same token, all the women in, for example, like, Go, I'd be like, you can play as these. Oh, yeah. They're, they have enough inner life and enough stuff going on. But then there's a bunch of minor characters in Pulp Fiction I still I wouldn't play that are dudes. I wouldn't want to play that guy who's like, you know, whose house they invade because they have a dead guy in the back of their car. Yeah. You know, Quentin Tarantino's Odin character. I would never want to be Quentin Tarantino. I don't, I don't want to play him. I'd be like, you know, that, that wouldn't be very fun. He's a minor character. I, it's not interesting. No. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play as the wolf, even though he's one of the cooler characters in that movie. No, because he's not a recurring thing. Yes, exactly. So, anyway, um, I, I just felt like that was kind of... It, it just kept giving me bad vibes. That's fine. It's minor, but it's bad vibes. Just a little bad vibes. Yeah. Uh, and then they get into the six or so playtests that this book has to offer us. Uh, small southern town, uh, so dusty part of Texas... Uh, as John mentioned, McMurdo Station, Antarctica. Yeah, you get the Wild West, which is one of the ones that I've done. Yeah. Uh, you can do small town suburbia. Mm-hmm. 
And I like that. I like small town suburbia because that's a lot of fun to play with like a game the that is PTA isn't, and shit yeah, like that. It doesn't even necessarily have to be violent. It could yeah, it could totally be like election. Cougar town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we went in two different directions, but I think they're both fun. Yeah. <laughs> Donnie Darko would be another one that'd be a great thing set in suburbia. There you go. Yeah. Um but the the six all have their full list of play I've never seen the supplements. John had mentioned that there are huge books of just play, oh, yeah. extra play There tests. are just dozens of like Fiasco Volume 12, here's five more settings that you can have. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, they're not that complicated. Most of them are just like 36 line items. Yeah, you need to have uh, six categories with six things each yeah. for relationships, needs, locations, and objects, yeah. and that's it. And that's not that bad. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we could even make that part of our bonus content to uh, to come up with our own locate our play test as well. Oh, that is set. so many things that we would have to list off. Oh, we wouldn't actually have to list them all. We just list a couple and then say that those are the ones that we happen to roll. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's illusion. Yeah, we don't have to make all one hundred and forty eight. No, it's, it's four. It's a total of forty two. Six categories, and underneath each one of them is six six, things. six, six entries. Thirty six plus six is forty two, and there are four things. Oh, I could have sworn that each one was just relationships, a- oh, locations, okay. right. needs. So it's forty. Objects. It's forty-two times four. So it's a uh, one hundred and sixty-eight. That's fine. That's that's a pretty. But we could get that done in half an hour episode. No problem. First, we just need to think of a location. Uh, haunted circus. Okay. What what do we got? Uh, in the movie theater. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> hat too big. That's <laughs> yeah. Put object, that under hat objects. too big. <laughs> uh, relationship. Uh, nation's greatest president. Yes. My relationship to you is we are both the nation's greatest presidents. <laughs> no, you are the greatest president of my nation. I'm the nation, and you're the president. Well, so, you know, I don't. I live That's in the That's my nation. role play. Yeah, I'm playing as... as That's how United, I get off. I'm the United States, and I'm also here in this movie theater, and your hat's too big, and I can't watch the show, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Whereas I just am in bed, and I'm like, emancipate me. Uh. <laughs> well, if he rolls 13 black or higher... Hell yeah. Then you're going to be like, ooh, I'm going to drop all my, my uh, defenses and let him... Take my Gettysburg. <laughs> I or, want you to push me to the sea. <laughs> Baby, address that Gettysburg. <laughs> I'm just imagining someone in full Abraham Lincoln outfit doing the Gettysburg address into someone's vagina. And it's <laughs> it's not pleasant for anyone involved. No one wants this. It's terrible. And, and I don't know why. That said, we will have that coming out on Brazzers next week. <laughs> that said. Yeah, uh, so we just got a phone call. Brazzers wants to work with us now. <laughs> uh, that's not we, true. We, we are... don't just have a dirty van that we have sex in. Brazzers <laughs> no, uh, doesn't Well, clearly care. we are in the clean aspect of writing. We're, we're writers of porn now. We have to write all that fluff. We have to explain <laughs> yeah. the reason why Manuel Ferrara is banging a, 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 someone. Uh, I I can't think of Co- Cody Vor. Oh, there you go. There's a porn actress. Great. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, does very little Vor. <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah. Even though Vor is possible porn to actually do. Well, let's get gotta get creative. That's why well, we're that's why we're writers. We gotta think we gotta, outside we gotta, the box. Our creativity is gonna gonna usher in a new age of real life Vor porn for the hungry masses. <sighs> Hungry masses. We feeling good? We, we want to keep this going, or are we done? We're good? Do we want to keep <laughs> doing this and make everyone uncomfortable? <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, you, want, you want to get to uh, the, the wrap-up part? Are we yeah, there? Yeah, let's do it. Sure, why not? John, let me ask you a quick question. 
man to man, heart to heart. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about Fiasco? I appreciate a game that knows exactly what it wants to create mm -hmm. and set every rule and suggestion to try and create it. The, I mean, even just one thing saying like hard limit five, don't go over five players. It's going to ruin the flow of the game. Yeah. I like that level of kind of uh dedication to the brand where we're, they're like, we know what we want this yeah. to be. And we know through playtesting that if you try and go over this number, it's going to fuck things up. Plus, I appreciate that they gave us the reasoning. Yeah. Because we've seen other games. Remember when Cinnabar had that rule that was like, you're not allowed to house rule this game. Yeah. Like that is a bold statement to make. <laughs> Very bold. And, and you can appreciate that boldness, but you can also ignore that rule because it's not well-rationed and it's stupid. <laughs> uh. Where this one at least has the the sense that the, the uh, author of this game was like, uh, the reason we don't recommend five players or more is because we tried it and it gets unwieldy and you don't feel like you get any spotlight. Yeah. It just takes too long. This already is going to be like they suggest after act one and you do the tilt. Have a break, go get a snack, come back, mm -hmm. finish Act 2, and then the end of it. Yeah. So they know what they want the flow to be. They know what it should look like. And the suggestion in there, like, this is how many players you should have. This is how long it should take. This is what you should be doing. Like, I appreciate that they want a specific thing and that they've set it up to do that. Yeah, I think that's very true. So what is your favorite thing? So I like the uh, character creation model. I know that's like a fifth of the game, so it feels weird to recommend that entirely. But I really like the whole define your relationships, define what's connecting you, come up with your needs and your wants and, your, and where you are, mm -hmm. and then say who you are. Yes. I really like that because it, it, it helps to create a script that makes sense because you, you assemble the pieces of the puzzle and then you sprinkle people into the world. Yeah. That, it, that makes sense for what the story needs. It means there's less trying to finagle something yeah. into what is being set up whereas once everything is set up and you're like oh i can basically look at the you know empty space and fill in the blank yeah it's jazz role playing game <laughs> it's all it's all about the characters you don't create <laughs> you didn't make a half orc assassin and that made the game <laughs> that certainly did <laughs> So, but I, like, I really do appreciate that because I like the idea that the character creation in this game is based around what this story requires and not what character you want. Now, DM, come up with a story that fits this character. Yeah. And especially when you're looking at something as free flowing improv as fiasco, if someone sits down at the table and is like, I want to be a Russian spy. And you're like, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> and they're like, well, fuck you. You've got to figure it out. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> fine this character thinks they're a russian spy and they don't want anyone to know about it but it's really obvious because they keep saying like accidentally saying comrade and they have a bag that says spy stuff on it you know it's <laughs> your american ideals will be crushed by communism i mean uh hello i am heading to church i mean go patriots <laughs> of which i am one uh yeah so, yeah, that's my favorite thing. What's your least favorite thing about this game? I mean, it has to be the weird suggestion to be antagonistic. Mm -hmm. I mean, the rules as written don't cause you to do that. And the fact that the rules as written 
allow you to be like, no, we can 100% play this as everyone is trying to help everyone else get the best ending possible. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that you would go into this game and be like, yes, I'm going to fuck over this person. You're like, I just want the best story possible. And it's the one real advice bit in here, since that was my favorite. That's the one advice bit where I'm like, that feels unnecessary. Yeah, I I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that, that it, that uh, it, it feels like they're they're advising you to be sinister to each other for no good reason other than there's not much else to do. Like, yeah, because otherwise it's just give everybody what they want and everyone gets the mega happy ending, depending on the die roll. Uh, but no, it shouldn't be either one of those. It should be do what the story demands. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if I set a scene or someone else sets a scene for me and during the first half of the improv scene, it is very clear what is going on. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to be like, yeah, it, it seems like this is probably going to go bad for you. But you've already got enough black dice. Yeah, like, you have two characters having like a pleasant conversation, and that's like the scene. It's like two this people. This is going to go bad for yeah, you. You guys are walking through an apple orchard discussing the legacy of one of your dead husbands, and it's all very heartfelt, and there's tears at the end and so on. And then they're like, um, I, I guess muggers show up. No. And a like, tree falls on you. Oh, black die. Uh, after the conversation, she hates you. Yeah. This is not. What? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I get where they're going. I mean,. On the other hand, I do get that 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 means that if you want a certain die, you can choose to establish a scene and then just improv nothing but positivity and be uh, incensed when someone gives you a black die, uh, which would kind of be equally disruptive to the game of just saying, I will resolve every scene throughout the game because all I care about is gathering dice of one color. Yeah, which again is very weird. Yeah. So yeah, that is my least favorite thing, the idea that you would want to be antagonistic in a game that is already going to screw you over regardless. Yeah, I can get that. Um, and you know, you already know mine. Uh, yeah. I have a very minor one. Uh, ultimately, I thought this was a pleasant read. I've got no problem with it. I would like to try playing this game at some point. Uh, but I do think there's a little bit of antiquated gender essentialism in here. Yeah. Which I know isn't the like... I'm sure that some of my friends are going to hear this episode and be like, dude, it didn't fucking matter. You're wrong. Like, uh, it's okay to, to, to objectify women if you're trying to co if you're trying to emulate a move, a series of movies that did that. And I, I don't care. It doesn't make me happy to read it. Yeah. So that's why. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, and I mean, it's not like, ah, Jason Morningstar, author of this is a sexist pig. No, I don't even think that. I just think it's old fashioned and it just, I, I hope it got fixed later. Yeah. It's just the kind of. You know, because it's a conversational type writing, it's the kind of thing that's like, oh, I write this out because I'm not sitting there thinking about the way I want to present language. You're just sort of writing out what you think should go in there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the worst thing I'm ever going to think about Jason Morningstar as a person is I better see a fucking birth certificate. Prove <laughs> Proving proving that's his real name, or Raven C.S. McCracken. Yeah, I don't, or, or else you're getting some other than Mo Morningstar. That's you're not allowed to give yourself that cool of a name. You ain't Sting. <laughs> However, if your name actually is Jason Morningstar, fine. sweet, you earned it, and I'm excited about it. <laughs> you I earned mean, it by being born. I, I assume that you're probably a DC antihero, but you know, I, I guess that's you definitely. I don't know. Fight constantine <laughs> fight etrigan it's <laughs> jason jason blood versus jason morningstar the battle to end all jasons <laughs> refereed by jason uh you know the, in the, manhattan yeah yeah who takes manhattan yeah. and uses it to have that fight happen yeah, yeah. and then the muppets take it back <laughs>
And even that, I don't mean that. Everyone can give themselves whatever the fuck name they want. I fully endorse doing that. <laughs> Go for it. It's all made up bullshit anyway. It doesn't matter. You think my real name is Jeff? Yeah. You think I chose John? <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> no, my real name is Willow Root. So anyway, my real name is John. Yeah, except with an H. I've been <laughs> lying this whole time. <laughs> your real name is the Amazing Jonathan, and and uh, you're you're still alive only on this show, though. Only on this show. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I made myself sad. Aw, I really like. There's been too many comedians dying recently. You know what? I, no more. No death. more. No more. I'm looking at you, other old comedians. I, old I, guy. I, there's some allowances I'm willing to make. Louis C.K., you're free to go. You can go. You can go. You're, to the you're, ocean. You're all set. Dane Cook, you can walk into... You, you've gotten a lot better over the years. You're still free to walk into the ocean. Everyone is free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bill to Burr... feel good. Bill Burr... Ah, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> Bill Burr, man. I don't wish death on you. I, I wish a different career. <laughs> Long. So, anyway, uh, there you go. That Would you play this game? Oh, yes. Obviously. I would play it again... Uh, I've wanted to look into some of the uh, supplement books and see some of the other uh, settings that they have that you could do, or I have yet to take a peek at the new edition of Fiasco. I'd mm-hmm. also love to see what changes. All right. Uh, and yeah, I would like I mentioned earlier, I would definitely like to try playing this. It, it hits that sweet spot for me of you could probably set this up and play it in a couple of hours without any kind of advanced character creation and a lot of negotiation over who gets to be what and so on oh, that, yeah. that I like because the rare the, the most common times that I get to play any role-playing games at all are conventions yep um, I'm, I'm so busy between the 50 shows we make and the books we write and doing bonus APs and stuff for like the network that actual role-playing games tend to elude my time scale plus That's I have a three-year-old or four-year-old now yeah uh, so the the rare occasions when I'm at conventions I love games like this that I can get together with a couple of people I might not know, improv out a whole story, have it all done right away, and not need to learn a bunch of fiddly nonsense and negotiate in advance. Exactly. So I like it, and I would play it. Good. Mm, positives. I approve this message. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, hey, uh, what else is going on in our world right now? We got a new book that's about to drop. In fact, I think it did, like yesterday, and I completely forgot to mention it or tweet about it or anything. Our did new it? cookbook is, has, hit the, has hit the markets. Oh, did it? Yes. I thought it didn't come out for like another week or something. I think it come, came out on the uh, 17th, which was yesterday. Huh. So, hey, this is the big announcement. Our book is out now. Great. So if you would like to purchase a rad cookbook full of all kinds of awesome party recipes to make your game session better and everything's got the same kind of fantasy bent that you'd expected from our first Dungeon Meister, a cocktail guide, then check out the Dungeon Meister cookbook by Jeff Aldrich and John Taylor, available wherever fine books are sold today, eighteen ninety nine, full color illustrations and photography throughout. It's so good. It's a lot of great recipes, uh, a lot of good jokes, and it is a very useful book. Yeah, and of course... You can support the show by going to our Patreon at patreon.com slash system mastery mm-hmm. for the bonus content for this show, bargain basement, $1 pledge level. Yep. We make characters in the games that we review. Mm-hmm. We have a ton of back content that all gets uh, unlocked as soon as you get in there. Yep. So you've got a ton of stuff if you're looking for more to listen to. And if you need even more, the two and the $5 levels unlock yet more content for bonus 
things for expounded universe, our TV mastery to go along with movie mastery. Oh yeah. And of course the monthly afterthought where you can ask us questions. We get into more of a, you know, a fun, casual back and forth with the people. They're the best folks. You are going to love our monthlies (laughs) folks. You're mm-hmm. going to love them. Mm-hmm. I guarantee it. <laughs> so find us at patreon.com slash system mastery and support us wherever you're comfortable. It helps us keep doing this. It it uh, lets us do what we love and what you love to hear. So why not consider that? And if you can't, hey, there's all kinds of reasons why you might not be able to. We're not judgy. Instead, why don't you go leave us a nice review somewhere? Help other people find us. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, if you, like I said, you can go give us just a dollar if you want to do that instead of setting up a subscription. If you just want to go to a systemmasterypodcast.com, mm-hmm. you can also, if you go to systemmasterypodcast.com, use our link to drive through RPG. And if you buy through that, we get store credit and it, it helps yeah. us buy the PDFs that we use a lot of the time. That's a huge help. It doesn't cost any extra for you. You get all the role playing games you're going to buy on drive through RPG anyway. But we get enough store credit to do this without having to constantly source out some of these really hard to find physical copies of books. Yeah, it helps to uh, make it so that, you know, we can be reading it at the same time instead of one of us has a book for a week <sighs> and then sits around for a week, slowly forgetting everything. Yeah, the until other like Friday, it. Friday at 930 p.m. where they're like, ah, shit. <laughs> oh, uh, how big is it? 300 pages. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Luckily, both of us have gotten very good at knowing what parts of books we could just ultimately skip. It's all of it. <laughs> all of it. We've if the been book's old enough, for the last could, seven years. If the book's rare enough, we could just make it up. You don't know. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> you haven't read Dead Earth. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a real game. You think half these games we describe are real? <laughs> Who's the sheeple now? Oh, it's us. Oh, man. Yeah, we're part sheep. And in our bonus content, we have to make regular sheep. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll see you again real soon with more System Mastery. Otherwise, we'll catch you in the bonus content with those hot new, uh, the whole play set and new characters and all that. I'm sure John can lead it. I have no idea what to do. So thank you so much. We'll see you soon. And you all have a wonderful week. 